Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favorite books into film. I'm Rachel. I'm Flo. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're casting The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Did anyone mess up in that intro? No, I don't think so. Okay, cool. We'll know later. <laughs> Do you want to accuse someone? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. Like with Madeline Miller's previous book, we're going to absolutely demolish all of the Greek names that we're going to come across. They are difficult. I I actually have a suggestion for um, Achilles's. Go and boyfriend. say it. <laughs> his say his boyfriend. name, uh, What's his name? <laughs> for What's Patroclus. his name, Rachel? Patroclus. <laughs> pa- Patroclus? 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 Pot- Patroclus? Patroclus. Patroclus. It doesn't. <laughs> the, why don't we just call him like Pat? Pat, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like agree Patty. with that. Patty. I'm going to call him Patch. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. So Song of Achilles. This is Madeline Miller's first novel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2011, I believe. And it got um, nominated for the Orange Prize, didn't it? It, it, won, won. it won the it Orange won. Prize. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. As with Circe, I mean, obviously, Madeline Miller is a sort of classical scholar. And as with Circe, you know, she's pouring a lot of her very detailed knowledge into this book. It's not really a retelling of the Iliad because there's so much more to it, but that's the kind of bulk of the book in the same way that Circe is a kind of retelling of the Odyssey ish mm-hmm. Flops, you're doing the synopsis this week right you mm. want to kick us off with it patroclus aka patch prince of opus maybe highborn but in every respect he is an ordinary boy that is until he commits a crime and finds himself banished to the kingdom of thyre there patch grows close to prince achilles the son of a minor goddess who has already been marked out as the greatest warrior of his generation. When achilles is sent to mount pelion to learn under the tutelage of the centaur chiron patch follows And in close quarters, away from the prying eyes of Achilles' disapproving mother Thetis, the boy's friendship turns to love. Several years later, Achilles is summoned to fight when the hawkish king Agamemnon declares war on the city of Troy. A prophecy has declared that Achilles will not return, but in spite of this, he and Patch end up on the front lines. As the years pass, Achilles, encouraged by his mother, becomes increasingly obsessed with building his reputation as the greatest of the Greeks. But his repeated clashes with Agamemnon cause trouble, driving a wedge not only through the Greek ranks, but between Patch and Achilles themselves. With the prophecy still looming over them, it seems that the lovers are set to be torn apart, perhaps for eternity. Very good. Even though I called him Patch? Did that? Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. you know what? That's I great. think it added it to it. <laughs> yeah. Now, we are obviously, we covered Circe in a series one of Typecast. That was a book club pick. We loved it. Um, how did you feel about Song of Achilles? I didn't love it as much as Circe. And I've been trying to think about it in the run up to this, why that is, because it's beautifully written. It is a compelling story. But I wonder if it's just because Patroclus or Patch doesn't doesn't have as much, doesn't seemingly have as much agency as Circe does throughout the novel because he's so bound up in his love for Achilles. So almost all his decisions are bound up in that. And I think I found that a bit frustrating. I think it- it's also limited by the fact that he is, you know, a mortal and at that a very sort of ordinary one. 
And with Cersei, you get that kind of God POV, whereas with him, it's this very, very narrow view. And I just felt kind of in the in the bits where they're when they're at war with Troy, it's like there's all this stuff that you don't see that you know of from having read the story of the Iliad or whatever that you just kind of don't get to see. Yeah, while you're sitting in the tent, the whole tent. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on in tents. I found Cersei probably more compelling, but Song of Achilles more exciting because they're kind of going to war and they're, you know what I mean? It, it, there's a lot of excitement about that. And we talked about this in the last book too. You read it two different ways, depending on how familiar you are with the Greek tragedies. With the Song of Achilles, because you know what's going to happen to Achilles and what's going to happen to Patch, you, in the second half of the book, feel just this incredible sense of dread because you know it's coming. It's like looming over you like a cloud. And with Circe, even though you do know what's going to happen in terms of Odysseus is going to come and Odysseus is going to leave, there were a lot more unknowns in Circe because it was mapping out this character who's kind of never got her, you know what I mean? She's never had her moment in the spotlight. But Achilles and Patroclus, we know about, we know a lot about, we know them well, you know the legend of Achilles. So it brings a really different dynamic. Like it was more kind of nail biting for me in that sense. I actually, so I did Song of Achilles with my book group. Shout out book group. And <laughs> we were kind of talking about the sort of concept of spoilers with this book. And I think that's an interesting question because do, do we expect most people to sort of have this story in their kind of collective consciousness, you know, in the same way that a Shakespeare story would be in there? That's very true, actually. I, I don't think I'd thought about that before um, because picking up the book, I, I knew what it happened but there's no reason why I, I I don't even know how I know and that's a good because of the Actually, film I Troy probably know because of the film <laughs> Troy <laughs> more we're than all coming, we're all coming clean about how we really <laughs> I certainly did not study the Iliad <laughs> and I assume most people haven't so maybe it is like very fresh material I feel like maybe the Odyssey has in more popular culture in that way I don't know it will change your reading of the book depending because if you know then like Rachel like you say you kind of feel this dread hanging over you it feels much more fatalistic it's like we know what's going to happen we just don't know how or when whereas if you don't know you know maybe you're reading it thinking like hey this this could have a happily ever after if you understand the fate of Patch and Achilles and all the as all the prophecies kind of get handed down and all the things they think like you know what's going to happen to them they don't and so everything they do you're like oh my god guys please can this be the story of you changing the fates <laughs> but actually one of the most moving portions in the book that I found was when um Achilles has to confront quite directly a prophecy when they just basically says, you know, you can be happy or you can be a legend is the choices that she's giving him. And he just is like, I, I want to be a legend, even if it means I'll die young. And that is really sad because he's sad about it as well, even though it was never a choice for him. He always knew he was he, he could never live a sort of normal life. And that that I found incredibly compelling and sad. I think that the way Madeline Miller depicted Achilles was like, it was just really cleverly done. Because even in, I mean, if you've read any other kind of Greeky retellings, um, if you like Song of Achilles, The Silence of the Pat Barkers, The Silence of the Girls um, covers very similar territory. 
um, and is incredible. And Achilles in that is depicted in a completely different way and is often kind of like the war god guy. You know what I mean? He's this great fighter. That's what you know about him. But Madeline Miller sort of paints him as this kind of almost delightfully simple character, very straightforward. Things are simple for him. He understands he's supposed to be the greatest of the Greeks. War is kind of like his, it's like his vocation being a soldier. You know what I mean? He's so lit up by his skill. Well, there's that really powerful image too when he hasn't killed anyone before and is that first day of war and he comes back and he looks almost fevered. Patroclus is sort of frightened in that moment or, or sort of awed by that kind of that his skill is death. It's like quite amazing that she pulls it off, to be honest, because the sort of sensibilities of these characters are very alien <laughs> to us, obviously, not least because they're mythological, but... This whole code that they live by is so unfamiliar and doesn't make sense to us. The idea that it would be so much more important to go down in history as like a demigod and the greatest warrior that, you know, the world has ever seen rather than just to kind of live a good life. And so she has to kind of reconcile that with creating these characters as kind of modern characters, which is also what she's doing. And sometimes it feels a little bit awkward, but I think she does she does a very good job with it, I think. When we were Talking about um, a little bit about the comparisons between Circe and um, Song of Achilles, the biggest parallel between the two is, of course, Odysseus, because he features in both and features, uh, he's kind of a different character. How much do we think she's going to write a book about Odysseus? I mean, I want one. I I definitely have the appetite for it. (laughs) I have to say that between, I like the Odysseus of Song of Achilles better than I like the Odysseus of Circe, like where he's sort of just kind of this hot and cunning and just sort of good natured. <laughs> but he is nicer in the beginning. I think that is faithful to both her books and and the his, the mythological figure of Homer, you know, because, you know, he's he's sort of he he goes through the ringer. Let's put it that way. He is a he is a great character because he's not straightforwardly good. But you know what I think Madeline Miller does really well, and I think it's a very fine line to walk is that, you know, so many retellings are sort of couched in like realism, whereas she sort of does make some things realistic, but then still keeps all this like fantastical, magical, she keeps those elements within her books. And I think that's a really hard line to walk. She makes it feel so commonplace. Like it's the most normal thing in the world that Achilles would be fighting a god or you know Apollo would chuck patch off the wall or whatever it is I feel like that's because the kind of the rules are quite clearly established I I feel like with the gods in her books they don't just feel like ethereal or otherworldly they're kind of very firm and very real we've talked about this before amongst ourselves many times how I often feel like what separates a good novel and a great novel is the ending yeah. Which Rox refers to as sticking the landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm always talking about that. <laughs> can can a debut novelist stick the landing? Madeline Miller, both her books, I think what really sets her apart as such a fantastic author is how wonderfully she ends them. Agreed. They're always yeah. they're mm. really, really poignant endings. In both books, I just sobbed in the last paragraphs. The emotional note she ends these books on is just incredible. A Song of Achilles, if for nothing else, the payoff of the last chapters is 
incredible. Yeah, the the sort of last, even just the last page is like so gorgeous and just ties up all of this stuff in the book that maybe you didn't even really kind of realize were the really key themes until you read those last yeah. words. And this idea, this conflict of you know, between how we are remembered by history and a sort of mm-hmm. collective consciousness and how we're remembered by the people who actually know and really love us and which which is more important. She ties that up and she comes to that idea so beautifully in those last few paragraphs. I think it's it's because an ending, especially if if some some books do sag towards the end, an ending can really lift the, a whole book. I've enjoyed a book for three quarters of it, really loved it, and then just been so disappointed by the ending. It just puts me off the book entirely, whereas I can be sort of – not really enjoying a book and then be completely lifted by the ending because it the ending should tie together what you've been trying to do it shouldn't be something that's rushed um it should feel you know like an end of that that chapter in some way it can be ambiguous or it can be neatly tied up but it needs to to bring all the elements that you've put in the start of the book and she just does that so well the chef, Ina Garten, always says you always remember dessert, do dessert well. And I actually think that's very true of books as well. You remember a great ending and it, it's how the ending made you feel that really puts it up on that kind of top shelf for me. All right, we got a couple of rules, three to be exact. The first is that you cannot cast any dead people. Hashtag no daddies. The second rule is that uh, they've got to be contemporary. So don't be casting Maggie Smith as a 20-year-old. You know, she has to be the age she is now. And then the last one is no, they have to be actors. So no singers or football players unless they've done a crossover project. That's it. I just had an, I just had an idea. What if, like, for Halloween, we did an episode that was all daddies? Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I like Can it. We, <laughs> the, the, rule, the rule is only daddies. Only daddies. All daddies, Eve. 100% deads. Uh, okay, so casting, obviously, Achilles, mm-hmm. Patch is in the bag. Yeah. yeah. And do you, you want to do any of the other side characters? Well, I mean, if we don't bang on too long about... Patroclus and Achilles, then I think we should do um, Thetis and Briseis. Briseis? Breezies? <laughs> you say a damn name. <laughs> I'm Breezies. Just call her Bree. Bree and Patch. Bree and Patch. Yeah. Achilles is a hard one to shorten, actually. So in the book, Achilles is like fair, golden and fair. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's got, he's just got a constant spotlight on him, basically. He glows. He's so magnificent. Yeah, yeah. he's super hot for me personally like Achilles was extremely straightforward I was like swing a cat find an Achilles in Hollywood really yeah yeah. I found that so tough because I just I I have about I have about 10 names down do you know how I I actually think would have made a perfect Achilles and I know I didn't do very well saying this last time but if if he was alive Heath Ledger oh really I thought that would be an immediate yes like Heath Ledger would be a great Achilles yeah, yeah, he would. He would. Maybe, yeah, maybe. But no daddies, so moving swiftly along. Maybe and then we've got Patroclus. Patch. Patch. Mm-hmm. Patroclus. <laughs> and he, he, as a kid, he's like a complete nothing. But actually, as he grows up, the suggestion is he's actually, like, he's kind of hot. 
And yeah. he's similar. He's he's not that far in build from Achilles. Like he's not as big as Achilles, but he does say later that he's like a, of his height and I get he's more thin, muscular as well. I get a thin flanks vibe from. Uh, yeah, I definitely think he's sort of slight. Hmm. Slight and pretty. Yeah. But maybe not hench and gorgeous, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah, for Patch, like I was just looking for a hot guy. That's. <laughs> I mean, I wanted okay. my Patch to be hot. I gotta admit. Yeah, he's got to be hot, um, but he's not like Achilles hot. No, agreed. Thetis, I had, yeah, I have one choice again. Those 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 characters because they weren't big characters in the book, they were not. They're kind of. I think Thetis is quite a big character. Her her is she's an interesting one because obviously she's got to play a goddess, so she's got to be incredibly striking, but maybe not like really beautiful and also it's like what age do you put her as because yeah she has to seem really sort of like centuries old yeah have a lot of authority but she's also a goddess so she wouldn't necessarily look that old so it's an interesting one i kind of went for vibe for thetis wow that's that's a departure for you oh uh (laughs) (laughs) rox is mad as hell and she's not going to take it anymore (laughs) <laughs> After the meeting I got for Brad Pitt's energy, I'll never recover. <laughs> I need okay. therapy after season two. All right. Is it – shall we just get to it? <laughs> I think we better, yeah. That was yeah, pretty okay. unhelpful, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I found Achilles actually, like, pretty straightforward. He was he was kind of easy to me. He's – Achilles, like, is not really that complex, so I didn't find him that hard to cast. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like a Hollywood star. Yeah. You know, it's like he's like the corn-fed farm boy. He has really good looks and a great bod, and he gets snatched up and taken to Hollywood, and, you know, he loses his naivety and he becomes arrogant. Mm-hmm. And only his, his boyfriend from back home has to bring him back to himself. <laughs> Well, he's the only one who knows the real him. Yeah, exactly. And loves him for the real him. I feel that's why it sort of feels quite easy to just find like a hot Hollywood guy and be like, yeah, he could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Only Patroclus is the only one who knows the real Achilles, the real juggler within. Real, the the real fig juggler oh within. God, I, he juggled <laughs> I was like, where's she going? Why is she calling him a juggler? The fig juggler. That's his hobby. <laughs> oh, he, loves yeah. jugg- he loves the fig, doesn't he? Yeah. He the fig. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's, okay. Let's kick up. So, so. I shall go first. Okay. So, my number one choice is a Michael Abbey Jordan. Oh my god, he came up on my list as well. I, yes. I think that's that's he has that really mesmerizing charisma. You can absolutely believe he would step off a ship and everyone would be looking at him. I think it's but a good I choice. think as well, Michael B. Jordan has you can see that he could you can see vulnerability in him and you can see that he could he's sort of artless, you know. Hmm. And I think that I don't know, I ever, think ever since just seeing him play like Wallace and the wire, like I'm just, I'm just like, oh my god! Like I need to protect him. He's a little sweetie. I, I mean, he's yeah. hot, so he can be in it for sure. Bottom line. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We'll find something for him. Um, we'll find a role for him. And my second choice is Oliver Jackson Cohen, who is an English actor who I know from The Haunting of Hill House, which he's great in. But he's also recently in that film, The Invisible, The Invisible Man. 
like a horror film with Elizabeth Moss, which is meant to be amazing. And I think he's just yeah. really good. He's just a very good actor and he's sort of tall and trapping. He looks like a doofus. Like he's <laughs> <laughs> just straight in with he doofus. Does. He's kind of like he he has well, quite like Achilles a is a bit of a doofus though, no? Yeah. But <laughs> Achilles is, is supposed to be like double take hot, basically. And this guy, even though he has kind of like really sharp features, which wouldn't which like he's quite striking. I don't know if he's You're basically saying you wouldn't do a double take on him. <laughs> no. Well, I probably actually would in real life, but <laughs> from, the, from my position as casting director, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it's it's not bad, but I don't love it. I'm not overly attached to it, to be honest. I've only got one pick. Uh, my pick is uh, Papa Essayadou. I hope I said that right. He was Kwame just recently. He's in Kwame and I'm able to destroy you. And he's uh, Alexander Dumani in Gangs of London. He is a superb actor yeah, and he's, he's so handsome. He's He's got that sort of ineffable quality of, again, people but looking at him. I would definitely say in I May Destroy You, he has much more patch energy. And he, I, he occurred to me as Patroclus, but something about it to me is like, He's he's again too mesmerizing, and I and I actually think in a star role and in other roles he's he's not he doesn't play the sort of vulnerable Kwame. You know he he has the power I think to carry off the role. All right, Rich, over to you. Okay, I mean I could rattle off a hundred different choices here, but <laughs> <laughs> again I don't think I'll formally put him forward. But someone who definitely could do it. King of my dossier, James Norton. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, could, yeah, yeah. He could do, do it. That. Yeah. He could do it. You my, have said okay. him way too much, though. <laughs> I know, that, which is why, I mean, I want to mention him because he's always on my mind, but I'm not going to sort of formally put it forward. <laughs> okay, so my top choice would be an actor called Garrett Hedlund. Oh, I know who. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. So He played Patroclus in Troy. Did he? Yeah. What? No, we yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is. a young one. Oh, well. Against Brad Pitt's energy. Up. I was thinking of him um, as because he was uh, in that Peter Pan remake. Peter Pan and Achilles, lot in common, those two characters. I don't hate that, actually. <laughs> I think his agent would be reluctant to put him forward for the role. I think he'd be, let's it's just like move away done from it. The, the myths. <laughs> it wasn't a great I, film for him. His hair's very weird in it. They make a really big point about him being Achilles' cousin. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I so, don't think that that would be so bad actually is he a bit old though no I think he's in his early 30s mm. all right I'll, I'll what's, allow it. what's what's your other what's your other um, <laughs> do you want all eight of them um, kind of Glenn Powell was another one I had oh yeah he's good yeah he's sort of right, sunny and blonde and he mm-hmm. like he's handsome and like he has, he can look like handsome and serious, but he can also look kind of like quite playful and childlike when he's like smiling and laughing, which could be quite nice for when he's just chilling with his. But can he do an ancient Greek accent though? <laughs> what is the ancient Greek accent? <laughs> is he the only person you're worried about doing an ancient Greek accent? <laughs> the ancient Greek accent. Is he going to be able to do it? Okay. Well, that's all I had. Oh, well, let's. Uh, Surely you have six more. Okay. Well, other two of the actors on this list I thought were the same person when I was researching them for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay, was okay. so Garrett Hedlund and also Scott Eastwood. Oh, yeah, they do look so similar. They look I know so exactly. alike. I know, I know. Yeah, who else? And 
both Chris and Liam Hemsworth again to do it. And then the last one I had on the list was Charlie Hunnam. He's more of a bad boy Achilles. Yeah, I think. think No, I don't see that. I don't see Charlie Charlie Hunnam 10 years ago. Okay, I feel like the really obvious choice for Patroclus is Timothy Chalamet. I just feel like I don't even, I'm not even that crazy about it as a suggestion. It just feels. I feel like if this was made now, he would be cast in the role. Yeah, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. Because it's like he's so sort of slight and lean and those big sort of soulful eyes and the pointy chin and you just know he's got so many feelings. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it just fit. Like don't waste a hottie like Patroclus on Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us what you really think. I, I did. I wasn't aware that you had a grudge I hold him in aversion. Yes. <laughs> no, to, that's a solid no to Tim from uh, Rage. I think um, for me, it's it's Tim. It's, it's, no, but the thing is, I, he came to my mind too because I think he is like truly. If this were a film, he would probably be in it. But yeah, what's what's your next pick? <laughs> uh, Josh O'Connor. I can see Josh that. O'Connor. He played I could- Charles in The Crown, and what else was he in recently? Um, uh, Emma. Emma. As Mr. Elton. I could definitely picture him as the kid who pushes somebody over because he stole his dice. That's for sure. Yeah, because he like, he sort of straddles nerdy and, and hot in a very Patroclus way, I think. He is a really good actor. He's he's wonderful in both Emma and The Crown. Uh, so my pick, uh, I, I do have two picks, but the one that, I you know, I came to mind immediately and I thought he would be amazing in the role is um, Jack Rowan. So he played Callum in Noughts and Crosses and Bonnie Gold in um, Peaky Blinders. He has a similar look a bit to Timothy Chalamet, but he's 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 slight, but he's a brilliant actor and I think he's really cute as yeah, well. Yeah, he would be good. He would be good. He's he's and I, he's got very yeah. cute energy. <laughs> and I, I thought- could definitely see him in like one of those Greek like dressy robes with like a little tan totally. belt around his waist. Yeah. And I tan sandals. I just think he would have amazing chemistry with someone like Michael B. Jordan, with someone like uh, Papa Essedu. I thought he was, he immediately came to mind. I was like, oh yeah, I've nailed it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a little he's a, the softest of boys, isn't he? Uh, and my second pick, uh, it's just it's not as good, um, but I do I do really love this actor. He's uh, his name's uh, Sebastian D'Souza. He was Gareth in Normal People, and he's recently been Leo in The Great. <sighs> yeah, actually, I could kind of see him as a I could see him as a patch. I don't mind that. I think mm. I like that better, to be honest. No, I really? prefer I prefer your first choice. Somebody who came up for me, which Rox, I just I feel like you should put forward again. Did you talk about this actor last week or the week before? Really recently on an episode, you talked about Jacob Anderson, and I actually think yeah. he could be great. Yeah, he could be great. Yeah, Patrokas. Yeah, he would be good. Like that. This is a good role for him. Yeah, he would be really good. I mean, I would put him in anything. I think he's. I think he's great. He look he looks great. He's just got the right vibe for me. So that was actually really your pick. Um, he kind of popped into my head when I was. Aw, so. I mean, I can't take any credit for that one since um, I didn't suggest him. But okay, somebody I want for this role. He definitely is like too old, but he looks quite young. So maybe Rami Malek. I can see how you got there. Actually, I I think the right spirit. But yeah, I think he might. I think he might be a bit so he if you don't know him um he was in bohemian rhapsody um and he's also from the tv series mr robot and 
to me, yeah, I think he could do that role well. He looks like a bird. Do you know what I mean? He's like quite alert and like looking around. Like you could see him like tracking Achilles' movements quite closely. <laughs> I mean, What's Achilles up to? I mean, that makes sense because isn't Patroclus, isn't that stand for like owl? Isn't that the nickname? Scops yeah. is his nickname, isn't it? Uh. I don't really like that, I have to say. There's something kind of sharp in him that I don't think Patroclus has. Yeah, I'd agree with that actually. Um, Okay, and then I knew you guys weren't going to let me have him, so my (laughs) other choice is um, an actor called Alfred Enoch. And Enoch? Oh yeah, Um, Dean Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter. Um, And he's also in How to Get Away with Murder. He again just to me sort of has the look of someone who's again really... Patroclus becomes so well-liked in the camp. You know, like he's really, he becomes really well-liked and really well-respected. And Alfred Enoch to me is, again, just on sight, very likable. His face is quite open. Like you could see how you'd be sort of drawn to him. Yeah, he's got got quite sweet young features, doesn't he? I don't know. I, I I prefer Jacob Anderson over Alfred Enoch. Mind you, I've never seen Alfred Enoch in anything except his... It's Dean Thomas and Harry Potter, so it's really hard to imagine him as Patroclus. Okay, should we do a uh, a quick fire of some yeah. other characters? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's save so, the status for uh, last, since she's the most fun. Okay, so for Odysseus, I said Oscar Isaacs. What a surprise! <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you know, he would be a great, nice, hot Odysseus storming through the camp doing his diplomacy <laughs> a bit of a rogue how did I you mean, make the word diplomacy what? sound sexualized there <laughs> oh my god is he doing a negotiation <laughs> right now um i actually uh, think he'd be a great odysseus to be honest yeah he would be a good odysseus i i like that yeah i mean this is just this is just pure dossier brain coming at me right now but i <laughs> this, you're not this wrong whole casting is pure dossier brain. i've got i've got one for brie um Mine was Jessica Sula. So she played Grace Violet in Skins and Louise Hobbs in Godless. She has to be, she has to be sort of beautiful, I suppose, but also um, she sort of has to have a, a sweet energy for Patroclus and her to have that really close friendship that they, mm-hmm. they develop. So, yeah, I just think she'd be good. Yeah, she's lovely. This is actually a suggestion from a friend, um, Anna de Armas, who... Oh, yeah. Uh, ben Affleck's girlfriend. Yes. Most famous, perhaps, and problematically, for being Ben Affleck's girlfriend. But she was in Knives Out. She's kind of the lead in Knives Out. She's great in that. She's also the... She was like the hologram girlfriend in Blade Runner. She's basically about to be the next Jennifer Lawrence. I think, actually, because of um, the lockdown, that might have been disrupted. But it's like in 2020 and 2021, she's in like six films coming yeah. out. She's just about to be absolutely everywhere. I think I think that's that's a good choice too. She's has a kind of she has a very sweet, warm energy and I just think she'd be good. Right? She got any anyone for Briseis? I don't really to be honest, no, I don't really have anybody good. When I read the uh Silence of the Girls, which is basically it is the story of Briseis. Ooh, um, I so really want that's kind of really how I know her. Um, she's not; she doesn't feature that heavily in Song of Achilles. But I had pictured her in that book as Gabrielle Union, who really? I know is like a little oh, yeah. is a little bit too old 
But uh, she looks so young. She's so beautiful. And so... Yeah, I could see that, actually. Let's do Thetis, because she's a fun character. I just had one, and it was Tandy Newton. She's so good at playing... She's So Tandy Newton, if you don't know, um, has recently been um, in Westworld as Maeve, and she has such a sharp, but sharp energy, but she's also quite vulnerable as well she's so she's so damn good in Westworld and she's stunningly beautiful and she is there is something quite ethereal looking about her so I think she'd be she'd be great I love Tandanine I think she'd be good but she's almost too instantly likable and he just has to be quite forbidding she's, she's, and scary yeah he just doesn't really have like that many no, I don't want to say not redeeming qualities, but yeah, she's like harsh. Mm. She doesn't invite closeness with anyone. But okay. I do love a bit of Tandy. So um, so I've got two choices for Thetis. One is Michelle Yeoh. I mean, if you've seen her in Last Christmas, Rachel, I don't know if you've seen that. But uh, she's... <laughs> the best Christmas movie of the decade. <laughs> a, a, a mean but ultimately lovable boss um, l- of the Christmas let's talk about let's, <laughs> let's talk about her real important roles the mother and crazy rich Asians. yes and she's great in that she's actually and what she's absolutely incredibly incredible in is memoirs of geisha well actually i i think she's amazing in crouching tiger hidden dragon yeah yeah you she's see? so good she's i yeah i completely i love her and yeah, my other choice is shore ogdashley who is in a ton of different things but She's most notable for her voice, I would say, which like is incredibly deep and gravelly. And this is mainly why I, I to cast her. I love her. I love her. It's she is amazing in The Expanse. She is, she's an Iranian actress, isn't she? She's yeah. amazing. I'm Iranian-American. But that was the main reason that I, she came into my head is because when Patroclus first meets her and he's like, oh, I expected her to have a nice voice, but she's... You know, it's like incredibly sort of grating and deep. And that's the, the voice that Shuri Agrashli has naturally is so striking for that reason because it's so deep and gravelly. And so she has so much sort of gravitas as a result. That to me is inspired. I think you might have just snaked the inspired cap again there because I, I love mm, I that. I don't know. You haven't, heard, you haven't heard my pick. <laughs> okay. Do you want to no. hear it now? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Please, yeah. My pick for this was Salma Hayek. <laughs> see that just sit with it for a I'm minute she could be it. great what's your reason? i think because i think because thetis is so ambitious and i think selma hayek could really capture that aspect of her character she has so much ambition on behalf of her son achilles she could do that thing where she could be quite cold but she could also have her temper flare i don't see selma hayek embodying that kind of like icy fury i feel that thetis has but towards the end of the book you need an actress who also shows a lot of vulnerability yeah I don't really see it it. as ambition, you know. I see it as her trying to kind of protect and immortalize her son. Yeah, I see it as immortalizing him. What, so that she she doesn't lose him? Yeah. 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 I I think everything that she does is actually driven by fear of losing him. I guess, but she also declines to be with him like his whole life, which she doesn't do with Achilles' son. She takes him straight away. I can see how you got there, but I, I just, I don't, I, I'm not convinced by Salma Hayek. My favorite out of all of them is probably Michelle Yeoh. I like that more, but um, my favorite, my favorite for sure is uh, Shore. I think she's, that's, I think that's brilliant. So I've cornered the market on the thetises then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have, you have. So inspired and tired? <laughs> Where are we at? Who gets the crown and who gets the dunce cap? 
can we do a little a little recap? Okay. So for Achilles, we had, I mean, my, I said Michael B. Jordan. You said Papa Esedu. I said Garrett Headland, Glenn Powell, Chris Hemsworth, and James Norton. I think, you know, I think we liked, we all liked Michael B. Jordan the best there. I mean, I don't know that I liked him for Achilles. I just like him in general. Those are two slightly different things. All right. Then for Patroclus, we had Jack Rowan, Chalamet. How about uh, Noah Centineo? <laughs> Stop trying to cast Noah Centineo and everything. Well, if you're going to put Timothy Chalamet in, like, <laughs> might as well throw Noah Centineo into the mix. They're not a package deal. <laughs> I know, but they're both like of they have a, very of a different type. vibes. Very, very different vibes. Rachel actually, Noah Centineo wouldn't be a bad Achilles. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think I actually prefer Noah Centineo to Timothy Chalamet. Anyway, I think. Jack Rowan or Jacob Anderson, either of those are, are good. Yeah. And then, I don't know, that was a big mess after that, which just descended into men. Oh, you know what? Of course. Oscar Isaac inspired Yeah. Oh, Oscar <laughs> Isaac for Odysseus. I actually think that's the inspired one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Did we have a dance? We're all dancers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>